welcome. Welcome to Critical Ditto, the Pokemon role-playing podcast that you love and are committed now to. That's it. You're locked <laughs> Tough. in. You Tough. Can't leave. Sorry, you can't Sorry. leave. You had your chance. Sorry, there are kids think, now. Think you can't of the leave. children. <laughs> yeah, around episode eight, nine, you probably could have left, but now you're in it. Sorry. Uh, my name is Stuart. I am. I'm the GM. I'm somewhat responsible for holding this thing together, holding it down, and helping me out with Daddy's coffee because we're we're recording. Pre eight AM today, uh, which is perfect time slot for me because I'm I'm a dad and I I thank everyone for being here with me and I'm fueled by those little those little black beans that that give us the caffeine. But yeah, I'm here with a sort of Nespresso mix, Ali, and it's uh, it's seeing me through. What have you got? What have you got there? Oh, I've um I've got an iced mochaccino, just like Ooh. my good friend Kenny Mullet. He's an iced mochaccino today. Um, yep. Uh, but I'm playing the role of Kenny Mullet. Kenny Mullet is on a quest to save Formia. On this quest, he's got a Decidueye called Bowtie, a Gyarados called Moustache, a Salandic called Hoops, a Honchka called Fedora, a Spiritune called Swirly, a Kamoa called King Thrush, and a Gavanchida called Fleek. Um, and I am at the uh, coffee bar about to tell the barista what to order for my good friend David, but David has has swooped in seeing, seeing how attractive the barista is behind the bar. David, do you want to just take it from here? Oh, Ali, you know me so well. Hi. Oh, my God. Um, this playlist <laughs> is uh, is amazing. What's this? Uh, meowth, meowth, butt to butt? Big fan. Yeah, no, I would love a strong black Americano. And when I say strong, I am talking eight shots because this is a Sunday morning and I technically slept. I technically <laughs> slept before this, technically, because it was a Saturday night and it's a Sunday morning and it's 7.30am and apparently we're going to do improv now. That's apparently a thing we're doing. So I'd like eight shots, eight shots that you can put into the bodies of these men I do this podcast with. And that's the kind of vicious vitriol that you'd expect from Theo, the uh, sardonic former member of the Church of Sloking slash Slaslow. And on Theo's team, there is a Medicham, there is a Togekiss, there is a Swadloon, there is a Kabuto, there is a Barbarical, there is a Combi, and there is a Slowpoke. And uh, while I'm busy getting the number of this barista written upon my sticker on my coffee i see that there's somebody slinking in through the door over there is that a, is that tom dale i see what are you doing here wait i'm i'm so confused i i dreamt about us all hanging out in a coffee shop before dawn to improvise but that's only my wildest dreams like is this can't be a dream but i'm not asleep oh but but tom you are asleep oh okay all right, creepy nightmare demon. If we are in a dream, then I will run into my favourite dream girl, Brandy. Brandy, who is an ex-cheerleader of the Pokemon champion, Gary Smoke, on a quest to save Formia. And on her team, she has Wimpy the Baneary, Gary the, Gary the Drapion. She's got Snorleone the Munchlax. She's got Flower the Meltan, Dr. Bunnelby, PhD. And she's got Lightning McQueen the Carcoal. And so I guess... I throw it back to you, Dreamweaver Coffee Lord. Yeah, well, I guess you're all asleep, trapped in this nightmare, and I am the barista sleep paralysis demon of you all, and I will now tell you what happened last time. That'd be really useful, actually. Previously on Critical Ditto. Why have you done this to us? I'm a schism Pokemon, the first one. So why did Theo separate from you? If you want more answers, Theo, it's probably best to go to the O's chamber. You see it's a voice note from Adrian. Theo needs me. Theo said they need me. I don't understand. What are we? We are academic rivals. We're not, we're not friends. I can't help you, I can't help myself. I don't know myself. I don't know, I don't know who I am. Have you got a weapon in here? Something big that could take down a dangerous poker power if push came to shove? This is my destiny bond lantern. It's highly experimental. When I, when I say highly experimental, I mean untested, because this thing is bad. I'll um, test it for you. I think that Slowpoke statue, or that Sloping statue that was in the Great Hall, I think that is the entrance to the Oast Games. Togekiss, Mrs. W, with their combined knowledge, are leading you back to the Great Hall. So I think we're converging. Andros, Lock Murmur, possibly Adrian. Are you rushing in, Brandon? Uh, yeah, 100%. Andros fires an ice beam at you, Brandon. We left the episode last time with Brandy rushing in and Andros firing an ice beam 
directly at Brandy. So I think we have to pick up here with a resolution to that action, and we need Brandy, I guess, to to make a role, uh, sort of an act under pressure. Whoa, okay, <laughs> straight in, straight in. Do I see this coming? I think it's a sucker punch. I think it's, it's, it's very reminiscent of that Elaine Psybeam on the Nidorian Express, uh, which, again, you had a role to see how that resolved. I see that as a sort of echo of this moment where Andros catches you by surprise by just firing this straight at you. Okay, right. Well, then I guess I'll roll first and then, based on the outcome of that, describe what happens. Okay. So, rolling plus cool, please, Brandy. Brandy is a plus two in cool. Right, it's a five and a one and a two, so that's an eight. A mixed success. Emphasis on the success. So, Brandy, what is your response to this ice beam coming, knowing now that it's a, uh, a mixed success? Well, something I forgot about last time was that Brandy left Meltan out of the Pokeball, like, on her shoulder to try and sort of bond a bit more. I don't mm-hmm. listen back to the episodes. I don't know why I did it. I just did it. Um, so even though Brandy doesn't see the ice beam coming, I think Flower the Meltan does and tries to oh, okay. get Brandy's attention. <laughs> But she's too busy bickering with Kenny and Theo, probably. Um, I don't fully remember, but that sounds... That kind of sounds like her. So Meltan is then faced with a choice. And remembering Brandy's words about being decisive and doing their best, helping out in different ways, Meltan is going to use their liquid mercury body to transform into a lasso and whip around Brandy and pull her out of danger. Um, This is a mixed success, though. I guess the mixed success here is that the ice beam misses Brandy and makes full contact with a character that we all really love and would hate to lose, and that is Mrs. W. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is an equal cost equal cost you I'm added gonna, some serious heft to mrs w last i i'm gonna counter that i'm gonna counter that with mm, meltan meltan gets hit meltan gets hit <laughs> yeah 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 okay so meltan's gonna take this ice beam which oh damage wise andros is andros is just a monster i think i'm gonna i'm gonna get up a golduck sheet I'm going to modify rip it, it right half. now. <laughs> I'm going to rip it in half and then I'm going to add I'm it together add and times plus... it by six. And then Stu's going to get the Arceus sheet and change the word Arceus to uh, Golduck. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to give it Togekiss immunity. There we go. Just input those details. Great. Yeah, surely Meltan goes down. Yeah, I mean, Meltan has three armor, so I, I really don't think we need to roll here. Sorry, Meltan. Based on those stats, I think Meltan is just going to go down. Uh, Mm. So, right. So Meltan takes this horrendous ice beam and has saved you, Brandy. And there's a moment where time stands still and you see that little monocled Meltan eye. What's it communicating in that moment, do we think, Brandy? Because obviously the last time, the last interaction you had with Meltan was that Meltan offering to leave, to be like, "If if I'm to be a burden, I will go. Is this Meltan proving itself to you? Or is this a sort of... I knew I wasn't strong enough. Yeah. What do you, Brandy, what do you see? Well, this is a huge moment for Meltan. Uh, They are hyper-intelligent and know that Brandy could die if she were to get hit by this ice beam. Uh, Meltan has been on the fence about giving their all for the cause and whether to follow Brandy, but this Mm. moment puts it all into focus. They just know in their heart that they have to commit to this. Where is Meltan's heart? Well, it's actually in the little marble in the middle of their nuthead, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I actually think it's where all of their organs are anyway. Like their liver, their... Okay. Appendix. Well, that's, that's high pressure, high stakes. It's like a nucleus in a cell. That monocle doubles as a pacemaker. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Meltan, after processing all the possible decisions using their brain, eye, heart, liver, all the organs involved, basically, they elongate their body into a lasso and wrap it around Brandy and yank her out of the way. It looks a bit like the comfy lasso, I guess, because they've just seen it, but they, they said that the lasso uh, moves Brandy out of the way of the ice beam, but unavoidably the momentum swings Flower straight into the path of the beam and they get launched across the room. Their monocle falling to the floor and, and maybe like cracking just a bit. But yeah, Meltan, um, Meltan, Meltan goes down. Straight down, takes this icy blast, flies backwards, lands in a bowl of curry somewhere across the room, which luckily thaws Meltan from the icy blast, <laughs> but still sends this poor Flower down. Brandy, you see that. It happens in a, in a split second but you know brandy 
that if Meltan had not intervened there, you would have taken a serious, serious and potentially lethal hit. Yeah. Can, can Brandy be wearing a jacket? Uh, sure. Okay, good. So Brandy takes off the jacket and throws it to the oh. floor. So now she's not wearing a jacket. Just to clarify, she was and now she is not. All right, it's her okay, reaction. Understood. A vital moment has just occurred. I hate you. Right, so Floatzels, how do you respond? It looks like Andros is charging up this time a flamethrower with his other hand, looking to fight off this incursion to whatever's going on here with Team Mystic. How do we respond? Who's jumping into action? I think if no one minds, Brandy's going to be the one that reacts immediately. She's going to rush Andros. Okay, Brandy's coming back in. All right, is she getting the ruler sword out? Is this a katana strike, or are you, uh, or are you getting another Pokemon out? On a Pokemon-based podcast, yeah. Slice him, Brandy. <laughs> Slice him, <laughs> dice him. Fillet that duck. Fillet the duck. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Brandy is getting out the ruler sword and going full anime scream charge on Golduck here. Hoisting. Oh, in fact. Brandy picks up uh, Meltan's cracked monocle off the ground, and anime style, you sort of see metaphorical flame surrounding her as she puts the monocle in her pocket and ruler sword in hand charges towards Andros, screaming, A thousand hope slash! As she like sprints forward towards him. A thousand, did you just make up a move? A thousand hope slash! Yeah, yeah guys, but Brandy's gone full anime swordmaster here. Like, it makes sense. What is this demon slayer? <laughs> hey, Brandy's been doing a lot of, of, of training and, and developed her sword skills. It's only right that she has a, a, an epic anime move like a thousand hope slash. What was the 859th hope, Tom, just out of interest? I hope she will let me get away with this. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's basically all the um, other 999 hopes, to, to be honest. <laughs> Fair. Okay, so let's see how this, this role resolves. Oh, you, you don't roll for a, a thousand hopes slash? Oh, of course you <laughs> don't. Okay. Wins. Roll, roll a D1000, Tom. <laughs> a D1000? <laughs> All right. All right, I'll roll a D1000. Let me just get the old PC up right here. Am I adding anything to this roll? Uh, what? To a D1000. Plus one to your D1000. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Please get below 10. I would love it so much. If you get a fail from a D1000. 879. That is a full success. (laughs) I think use the the 1000 for flavour, to flavour this this attack, and then we'll roll 2D6. Okay, fair. fair. So Brandy looks up at Andros as she's running towards him and says, I've had enough of you turning up and trying to kill me. Well, you're out of luck now. No banister the stairs in sight here, you you worm of a man. Okay, probably could have done better with that. I think he's more of a duck of a man, actually, but... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true. And Brandy just races towards him like she's she's properly crazed, ruler sword in hand, glowing red hot. The, the fire of his flame, prepared flamethrower is reflecting in Brandy's eyes and she looks insane. And, and from the sword, all of the little speckles of light of the, uh, the thousand hopes, let's call them, appear around Brandy. They crystallise. Uh, roll 2d6 plus tough. Okay, well, I was afraid of that. It's a five and a four, and Brandy is a plus two in tough, so that is a total of 11. Oh, I like this. Okay, right, you're going to do some damage to the Golda, to Andros. Brandy dodges out of the way of Andros's flamethrower attacks. Whoa, whoa, ah. Buddy. And the fa- the 879 hopes, sorry, not the 1,000 hopes, <laughs> blinding him and, and are like sort of defending Brandy as she reaches him. And then she just goes in, slap, 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 and pierces Andros in the side with... Andros! <laughs> <laughs> He's gone off the deep end. Right. Tom, we have no mechanics for dealing sword damage, do we? Sword super effective against flesh, so that's uh, plus one. <laughs> Roll a d6. Roll a d6, Tom. Ooh, d6. Okay, now you're done for, duck boy. Okay, it's uh, it's a two. Yeah. Okay, two damage. Pierces the side of this gold duck for two damage. <laughs> <laughs> Just in the side, in the flank that you slash, Andros crystallizes some ice to slightly deflect the blow so it doesn't quite damage as much as this deep, deep cut that Brandy Slash would have intended. But it's still a nasty slice, and you see Andros rear back. But you've definitely got his attention, and you're right up close with him. Theo, Kenny, what are you doing? Well, here's the thing. Theo has made it very clear multiple times that if Brandy's taking on a fight, and there's something more important, Theo is not going to help. So <laughs> I, Theo has already spotted Adri. We had that at the mm. end of the last episode mm. that Theo was like, oh, am I slow king? 
Adri's here. And so I think Theo wordlessly splits off from this entire thing. It doesn't even feel the need to explain this to Kenny. Yep. Because yeah, in yeah. Theo's mind, obviously, Theo is splitting off to go after Adri. Kenny in his mind is thinking, okay, Theo go left, Kenny go right. We'll, we'll do a pincer movement. <laughs> oh, Theo's going very left. Very, too left. <laughs> that is so left. They're, keep go- they're still going left. Well, I mean, where, where is the slow king statue from? Well, that's, that's where Adri is headed. You know, there was that like top table yes. where you were sat with Mr. E and Mrs. W yes. at the at the meal. It's sort of yep. beyond that. Okay. Am I going to have to circumvent this fight to get to it? Or is it in a sort of separate... I mean, it's quite it's quite fun if that's blocking the way. For I think there's definitely a role. There's like an Adri pursual role to see if maybe, maybe if Andros spots you. Because Andros's job in this situation, Andros's team mystic job is to just hold the line. Lock Murmur was get them in. Adri is gone. And Andros's job in this crack squad is to make sure there's no interruptions, no distractions. So yeah. Andros would probably see you going. And if that's motivation number one, let's see whether you can slip past Andros with yep. a act under pressure. How are you doing it, Theo? Just so we know, like, the setup. I think Theo's, Theo's sprinting. Yeah? yeah. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Is it a tough role then? Uh... I, think, I think tough as I can imagine Theo sprinting along. Didn't Didn't we say they had, like, super long tables? Sort of Harry Potter style. Like, I, I can picture Theo jumping onto one of the tables and, like pelting it along ninja naruto run style yes running along a table that's pretty cool knocking curries out the way stepping on <laughs> yeah. the heads okay. of people <laughs> oh, oh, this is cool but it, oh. the acolytes that gave you a hard time you're like oops sorry sorry about that oh sorry you got promoted to the conclave sorry sorry I think this is an instinctual, okay. Theo's just like, I've gone, and I think it is a physical tough role. Right. So, roll plus tough, cool. please. Theo is a plus Theo. two for tough. Theo's so strong. So it's a three and a three and a two for an eight. So it is by Ooh. the skin of my teeth a mixed success. A mixed success, okay. So in, in succeeding, you get past Andros, but there is a cost. What is the cost? I don't know if this counts as a cost, but would the cost be that to, to create a distraction at the last minute, to manage this, Theo sends a Pokemon out into the fight with Andros, and that Pokemon is now removed from Theo's ability to use whilst going down the Sloking Tunnel. Does that feel like enough of a cost? And it's Togekiss, David. Yes, of course. I could take Togekiss. It's such an important plot Pokemon, though. <laughs> it's Norman's Schism Pokemon. Or it's Kabuto, and as soon as you aren't looking, Theo, they evolve. <laughs> Under Kenny's control, Kabuto evolves. <laughs> Let's take one of Theo's Pokemon then. Who have you got with you? You have got Togekiss, Kabuto, uh, Medicham, and a fainted Swadloon. Let's roll a D3. Let's make it fair, and we'll say Togekiss is one, Kabuto is two, Medicham is three. Okay, D3. God, this is the. I mean, I've I've had some tense rolls on this podcast, but this feels. <laughs> Three. A three. So that is Medicham. All right, all right. Tom, you were in control of Medicham last time, weren't you? And Medicham was having a bit of a crisis of confidence about being an individual entity. Oh, this actually... So this feels like a nice moment to address that. So Theo is sprinting down the table and Medicham is out. I'm going to say it. Medicham is out. Okay, yeah. So if Medicham is already out, I think Medicham runs with Theo, but as Theo and Medicham communicate wordlessly, Medicham thinks Theo is rushing to help Brandy, but as it's quite clear, that's not the case. I think maybe then rather than following Theo like they normally would, they feel a bit more like they can make their own decision. Not the first time Theo and Medicham have gone different ways in a yeah. crisis moment. It's very okay. meteorite. So actually, so instinctually, Medicham has gone, oh yeah, we're sprinting to go and help Brandy, and then sees Theo peeling off and going off to our tree. And maybe there's a moment between the two of you, a moment of recognition and saying... Though they are the same being, they do and can come to different decisions. We are, we're two sides of the same coin, and that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Medicham? Go for it. Medicham is the side that helps people. Theo is not. <laughs> Theo is the side that punches small children. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a punt here at something that I think Theo's going to do in the parting. Okay. Oh, yeah. I think Theo's going to hand Medicham the Megastone, the Medichamite. Ooh! On their own. I, that's a lovely moment. I think Theo's like, if you want to have this fight, you are the captain of your own ship. Take this. You don't need a human to activate this stone for you. Yeah. I mean, Medicham is a human of their own accord, so... Yes, yeah. yes! So, Medicham, you take it. You do this if you You don't need me. Medicham picks up Brandy's discarded jacket and puts it on. Nice. Oh, and more than that, as Medicham is now back in the real world and can't talk, we know Pokemon can only say their own names. Medicham has, like, this realisation and is like, Medicham, Medi, 
Theo oh, as they yeah. put on the jacket. Like they can say the word Theo because they are Theo. Like they are human and an individual. Like this is a huge sort of penny drop moment for Medicham. Love that development for Medicham. Okay, so Theo, you've gone after Adri. You've succeeded. Back part of the room. We'll pick up with you in a second. Kenny, what are you doing in this melee? Oh, hang on, hang on. Heron. Lock Murmur. I see I found a worthy opponent in you, Lock. Are you worthy? Have you held me off? My Porygon Zed, as you can see, is far more powerful than anything you could possibly offer, Lock. Ha ha! Die! <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, let's do a quick roll to see how their fight's going. I'm going to roll... I, I assume Lock Murmur's got a clef key, uh, Yeah, clef key. So this is... I'm going to roll a d6 for Heron. Ali, you roll a d6 for the clef key. Well, what if Lock Murmur isn't using a Pokemon and he's just using, like, nunchucks or something like that? Maybe he's, use, he's using the clef key as nunchucks. He's kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> clef key! Clef key! Does this mean that Lock Murmur has six clef keys that he just throws out? In, like, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> What did you get, Lock? A six. Heron also got a six. Oh my god, it's a battle for the ages. There's a tri-attack that flies in. Lock dodges it with a cartwheel, throws a cleft key, but Heron deflects it with his glasses. And then he puts on the Seeking Mask. You will never defeat me! Fires a water gun out of the Seeking Mask. I don't even know how Heron does that. Lock Murmur dodges it, backflips up, throws a soup and a curry straight at Heron, who deflects it with a thunderbolt that Porygon Zed knows. Strikes the curries out of the sky. Porygon, follow it up with a harden. And Porygon hardens. And Lock Murmur goes, why on earth would you do that? And then realize he's already throwing the shuriken, which deflect off Porygon's hardened skin. The battle rages. We'll find out what happens in a bit. Kenny, what's going on? Kenny goes, wow. <laughs> that side of the room's way more interesting. That might be better than the Zig and Goon fight. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> Kenny is... um. A little bit stressed here. He does have a, a kind of connection to Andros, but I think in Kenny's head, he's like, that's that's, ba that's barely Andros right now. Hmm. He's fully gone off the deep end and he has seen Well, Andros. yes, surface surface level, that's barely Andros. Yeah. But you, I, I think there's a moment, Kenny, that comes to your memory of you remember that, that moment in Andros's mind palace, that cold, frightened, weak body that you saw in the black sludge pushing you out of the mind palace saying leave leave me so he's very torn um and also in terms of his pokemon we've got a water ice type and i've got flying 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 fire dragon grass so mm. Mm, mm. this coverage is not great for old kenny boy i think what kenny's gonna try to do is kenny's gonna think okay what are the three of us good at when do we thrive it's during chaos let's let's try to add a little element of chaos and he's going to send out hoops and ask Salandit to just fill the room with a smog so that no one can really like see each other. Okay, to just cool. Try to bide a bit of bide a, a bit sort of, of time. create an advantage. Fill Essentially, the room. yeah, yeah. So I know smog is is not necessarily a non-damage dealing move, but for now, it yeah, is. it's a smoky screen. Yeah. Okay, great. Roll plus Salandit speed. Salandit is quick. Uh, with a plus two to speed, and I rolled a nine. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, so you get plus one forward. It sort of feels like maybe you're trying to help Brandy out in this situation, creating a smokescreen in that fight. Kind of, yeah. Do you want to give plus one to Brandy's next roll? Sure, yeah, that, that works, yeah. Okay, so Brandy, you have a plus one. And the room fills with a, a, a thick black smog. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say all the curries heat up and the steam from the curries bubble and, and intermix with the smog so there's like there's, it's a very fragrant room all of a sudden <laughs> cardamom strong cardamom okay brandy camera finds you once again and medicham is now at your side too medicham okay brandy pulls the sword from andros's side and sees that the wound has already like healed itself like she knows the thousand hope slash should have done way more damage considering all the training she's done 
Mm-hmm. So I think maybe Brandy starts to get a bit worried as she thinks she isn't going to be able to do that much damage to Andros. But then when she sees Medicham appear at her side, she's like, Medicham, uh, I've got an idea. I- I'm sorry to put this on you, but can you occupy Andros? Medicham. Thank you. And Brandy is going to try and retreat back through the cardamom smog to try and find Kenny. So you're backing away. Therefore, I'm going to make you roll, but it's almost like a roll to see how well Medicham is able to hold off Andros in this moment. Here we go. 2d6. Oh, boom. 5 plus a 6 equals 11. Whoa! Wow. There's not Wowzers. even any pluses needed for that. Wow, wow, wow. Well then, David, I, I look to you, David, to describe Medicham mega-evolving themselves. Okay, I'm just going to take another little look at Mega Medicham because I'm going to... Please do, please do. I think we all should. Let's all just have a look at Mega Medicham because I don't have it in my frontal lobe. Uh, Listeners, pause the podcast, open Google and search along with us and search Mega Medicham. Wow, so many arms. So many arms. So Medicham takes the Megastone, takes it in their hands, holding the orb... It explodes with light. Medicham is thrown into this, like, full magical girl transformation of transforming. And as the transformation ends, as we know Mega Medicham has this kind of extension of sort of Medicham's yogi energy, but this Mega Medicham is sitting at the intersection of Theo and Medicham, and so this Mega Medicham looks like a paladin in design. Nice. Green robes. Yeah. Stave. Yeah. 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 And so this new sort of like churched up Mega Medicham goes on the offensive. Not only that, David, but because Brandy rolled so well, we actually see Mega Medicham fighting off Andros. Andros is looking to charge up these fiery icy beams to fire into the smog recklessly with abandon. Um, has given up any sort of hope to keep this a clean operation and is now ready to cause collateral damage. But Medicham just with one hand, knocks the hand that's charging an ice beam, knocks the hand that's charging a flamethrower, just completely is keeping Andros at bay, not allowing them a moment, an opening, to charge any kind of attacks, and looks back to Brandy. Go! Oh, uh, you can talk now. Okay, great. Wow. I mean, I'm so surprised and touched that Theo would send you to help me. Maybe Theo likes me after all. (laughs) No No need to explain. You're busy, and Brandy awkwardly backs away into the smog uh, from this epic kaiju fight. Can I find Kenny in the smog? In the smoke screen. You can because, you know, he was giving the smoke to him for you, so yeah. You are still also ru- running blindly, but you just so happen to find Kenny. It's, yeah, it's a pure coincidence. Yeah, we literally just run into each other. Yeah. Gustong! Bum on the floor. Through the smoke, you can vaguely see these charging up beams and these hands just. What do you, what do, you do? Brandy, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Medicham is holding off Andros. I'll have to take your word for it. I can't see anything. I might regret filling the room full of smoke, but it does smell nice. We also um, hear the noises from the uh, the other epic battle going on. Ho ho, take this! Oh God, that's terrifying. <laughs> oh yeah, there's the battle of the century going on over there. <laughs> Brandy, we're sandwiched between two incredible fights and why are we even here? Should we just leave? <laughs> Kenny, focus! Sorry, yes, of course. I've got an idea. Well, actually... It's your idea. You have the plan. I do. You remember your plan to beat Frey by going into her mind palace and defeating the Pokemon inside? Yeah. What if we test it out right here, right now, on Andros? Defeat the Gold Duck in his mind. Ooh, good idea. That's way better than anything I was going to do. Well, Kenny, I, I am pretty, pretty clever um, and smart and... Uh, and clever. Anyway, Andros is out of control. I don't think we can beat him from out here. We need to beat him from inside, but I can't magic us in there. No, but I can. Yeah, obviously, Kenny. That's why I'm telling you to do it. <laughs> okay, Kenny, are you, so are you, are you doing magic? Are you going to try I'm, and... I'm, uh, yeah, I am. I think that, that's a really good idea. You're going to try and go in the mine palace? I think we, uh, we hear the intense sounds of the battle as we're talking um, in the smog. Is that what a Paragon Z looks like when it mega-revolves? Wow! <laughs> Wait, you mean you didn't know Klefki had an evolution? <laughs> Heron in the mask. I didn't know Klefki was part dragon. <laughs> okay, Kenny. Roll plus wheat? Yeah, plus yeah. poker powers. That is, uh, I rolled another seven with plus three, so that's a ten. Oh, thank goodness. Okay. It works without So, you are going in Andros's mind palace. 
Are you are you going in alone or are you taking psychically? Just before he goes in, Kenny reaches out to Theo. Oh, I'm going to definitely bring in Brandy with me. Yeah, and I'm I, I reach out to Theo and I basically say, um, Theo, we're going to test out my theory about defeating a poker power person in their mind palace, removing their poker powers on Andros. Brandy's coming in with me, but. I don't know if you want to come too. You seem to be pretty set on not helping Brandy. I mean, on doing your own thing. What? <laughs> what? Did you want to come too, or did you want to pursue Adri? I, 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 I've got to. I've got to go. If you, if you want, take Medicham because that's as good as taking me. Okay, I don't understand the context of that, so I feel like I might need to take some EXP share, but um, maybe later. I, I kind of think that Mega Medicham needs to stay out here, occupying Andros. I like Medicham holding the line outside. Yeah, fair play. I think maybe we should like we should cut back to Medicham doing a roll and see how they're getting on. I like Med Mega Medicham just soloing Andros. It's yeah, just fair. such a cool image. Also, it's quite nice if Andros like exterior doesn't doesn't realize what's going on inside his yeah. head. So therefore, Andros would just keep fighting. Oh yeah, they keep they keep fighting. But obviously, we know that Medicham has mega evolved, and there is an instable element to that. So anything anything could happen. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. Just just before we go, um, Mrs. W appears from the oh. smog. Kenny, Brandy, it's been a long time, and by that I mean, uh, like a month and a half. Oh yeah, you're here. You don't <laughs> know this, but I am actually a good guy now, and I would like to help you. I will buy you some time. Now, I may not have my cool flamethrower poker power bracelet. You don't have your Malamar. So what do you have, Mrs. W? <laughs> what are you going to do? I do have the greatest weapon any church Ooh. member could ask for. A stave. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mrs. W takes the stave and charges into the smog towards Andros. Ultra stave strike! Well, Brandy, we're never going to see her again. Tom has been determined to kill Mrs. W, and he's finally done it. Mega Medchamp's like, no, 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 don't do it, and then just instantly gets hit by a nice beam. I imagine that she just goes in with the stick and Mrs. W and Medicham start Morris dancing. <laughs> Please, David, it's a stave, not a stick. <laughs> the greatest weapon of the church. I feel like Mrs. W gives that really impressive speech and then wades into battle, and then two seconds later we see her <laughs> flying past us in the smog. <laughs> okay, but... Irrespective of that, Kenny, Brandy, you're going in? Yeah, we're going in. So, Kenny and Brandy's bodies go slightly translucent and flickery on the outside as they go limp and disappear into a space unknown. Who's that Pokemon? Uh... <laughs> oh no 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 stop why is stop. our bass crying i'm, I'm oh. sorry i'm sorry I what's just, happened just, that's really lovely sorry please can you leave your emotional trauma outside of the rehearsal room have, <laughs> this is absolutely we, no we, space we have a performance kind of... we have a performance for the midsection concert in in, in two days and I'm, I'm gonna need to hear more all, all three of you this is a lot of pressure for two days Let's go back, look at the libretto. Let's look at the text. Let's just reaffirm ourselves yep. with what we're actually doing here. Okay, so looking at the text, um, this midsection, um, you know, intro, Tom comes up with a funny note, yuck, yuck, yucks, more yucks, and then, okay, now we're on to, th this is all scripted. So now we're on to the actual midsection, which is from Mim318. Thank you very much for sending in this midsection, Mim. Thanks, Mim. Appreciate it, Mim. Love to work in the Black Cauldron. <laughs> <laughs> and Mim writes, here we go. This is the actual midsection. It's midsection time. Here we go. Higgins Honey is 30 years old with a thin and gaunt build, tan skin, short, honey blonde hair, green eyes and buck teeth. Always in an open beekeeper's outfit and often confused with being far younger than they are, they identify as male and have an artificial Vespiquen poker powers. Ooh. They are artificial in the way that, when they were young, they were tricked into eating random potion ingredients when attempting to join the Church of Slaslo by another young acolyte and forced to skip the Pokemon selection ceremony due to intense diarrhoea. And failing grades. What Higgins didn't know at the time was that a particular ingredient he ate 
dried male cumby dung caused a chemical reaction inside them to unleash their vespid-like poker powers. Vomiting honey, producing pheromones... <laughs> okay. And producing pheromones that could call in a bunch of bee Pokemon. Not really able to tell them what to do. God, there's so much going on. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes even being kidnapped by them and placed in a honeycomb for days before escaping. Vowing to make something of themselves, they pull a handcart around, attempting to sell honey from bees. Only Pokemon he has is a biological female combi that identifies as male, even eating an Everstone to refuse evolution, named Sunny. Their handcart shop is called The Honey Spot. Well, I mean, it's almost a perfect character. Am I right? There's nothing we can add. That is so rich. So much texture. Oh. My first instinct when their surname was Honey was that they were related to the professor. But now I'm like, how? <laughs> I think they still are, for sure. Okay, well, let's take a step back here, because this is obviously an incredible midsection character. But let's let's re-examine what, what is a midsection. This is the director now coming in to, to clarify our <laughs> yes, motivations. Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, a midsection is sometimes about overhauling an entire character completely and let's be honest that's probably like most of the time we're just taking a character and changing <laughs> it to our whim um but but sometimes when you're confronted with uh, such a detailed and and sort of perfect i'm going to say a perfect character it's it's kind of just about linking to them linking them to the world so how does higgins honey link to our world i only watched the fly about a month ago and i'm getting serious fly vibes from someone who's vomiting honey is higgins unwell <laughs> is higgins going like oh yeah it's definitely just given me artificial poker powers and i'm not deeply deeply unwell with honey vomiting oh yeah i'm sure there's a latent medical condition there that's uh that's a bit of a problem for, for sure for sure but how how does how does higgins fit in what bits can we link them to now a huge moment that we've skipped over is they missed their king smock ceremony due to diarrhea and we now know what that king smock ceremony involves yeah so there was latent vespiquen powers in there the whole time that would yeah. have been expunged absolutely enormous if this person is related to honey and they have poker powers and honey is now going after team mystic what an administerial oversight from the church as well like not even to take a register at the king's <laughs> Did we get everyone? Uh, yes, I think so. That'll do. So yes, yeah, so they so they were joining the church, but then they they skipped the king's mock ceremony and obviously had this this bathroom related incident and realised that they did have latent poker powers in this Vespiquen form. I have to imagine then that they left the church because they felt so ostracised by the fact that everyone else now had these partner Pokemon and Higgins didn't. And they had powers, and obviously people in the church don't have powers because we know that it would have been sucked down them. So I, I would imagine Higgins felt very ostracised. Maybe escaped the church, left the church to to make this honey honey wagon, female combi that identifies as a male combi, and in the field. Who else have we got? It sort of travels the world. We've got Hillary. Hillary had a mobile library, and they were also a church lever. Oh, okay. So maybe they're like they're sort of roving formia in like a sort of caravan convoy or like not convoy but you know like in um in the film nomad land like there are lots of stop-off points you know oh, i was thinking the exact same thing yeah yeah where, where the caravans sort of you you stop off and you you see everyone again so maybe that's it so we've got higgins honey we've got hillary who's doing the mobile library who, who else who else have we got that's all you need mate books books and honey i think that's books it honey done. a a milne's fantasy <laughs> <laughs> okay so do we think Professor Honey and Higgins get on. Like, has Higgins ever met Asta? Like, are they sort of involved in Professor Honey's life at all? Or are they estranged? Like, what do we think? Did the... Higgins come to the wedding? Honey and Asta's wedding. Ooh. Ooh. Higgins must be a bit of a, a, a black sheep of the family. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, do, I don't think that... What gives you that impression? <laughs> <laughs> okay, do we think at a future family event, Higgins and the Grinch will hit it off. God, that is a child I do not I just see. see the... Ke I could see chemistry there. Do you want to talk about zucchinis with me? <laughs> <laughs> zucchinis and honey, the perfect combination, famously. <laughs> oh, and that is the food truck that takes Formia by storm. <laughs> honey, honey glaze zucchini. 
roasted honey zucchinis. There you go. I think that's it. I think that's it. <laughs> Agreed. It's already, you know, Higgins is already a perfect character. So I think we shall end it there. Thank you so much, Mim318, for sending in that amazing midsection. And if you too have a midsection that you wish to send to us, send it to our email, criticalditto at gmail.com. And if you want to skip the queue, join our champion tier patron at www patreon.com forward slash critical ditto so what do we all learn from rereading the libretto that i don't know my words at all <laughs> it's very very moving if, do we have to be uh, off book because i yes don't, we I... are off book come okay, on hang on let me try and remember so it was for the traveling come welcome to the midsection my name's to tom it. yuck 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 uh am i yeah, you got the this... first bit you got the first five bars down <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. i'll never <laughs> forget the yucks okay yeah well exactly so i think i think we should start by harmonizing with the yucks okay everybody on me come on now um <laughs> Who's that Pokemon? It's Klefki. Theo, Theo, you've just had this psychic call from Kenny. Uh, you've rebuffed him. Fair enough. You did your big sprint. You've jumped off a table. You're at the high table. You're on the dais. And you see Adri somehow unlocking this sloking statue. How is Adri manipulating the sloking statue? I'm going to say it's with the tones. Do we think Adri has the tomes, or is it like a, uh, they've copied a scroll or something? Adri's here to try and get the codex to translate something, which is what they mentioned to Frey at the end of that episode. Then maybe they brought in the tomes because they were planning on like live translating here? Well, they translated two of them, hadn't they? So technically it was only the third one that they needed to translate. So maybe yeah. that's the one that they've got. Yeah. There's something in this tome, in this third tome, that, uh, that helps you unlock the sloking statue which is why it's kind of unknown as a as an entryway to what we assume to be the o's chambers so adri is, is fixated on this tome is working some cuneiform into the marble um completely not engaged with what's going in the room he is battle he is fighting but has some kind of of mission right now and adri is not focused on the room at large so theo once you get past that high table that dais into this back enclave with the christmas evening light cascading through the stained glass portraying adri in this blue cold winter's light they're unaware what do you do theo's innate response with this situation as with any is violence but uh theo is now like thinking of two separate adries at once there's the adri that theo cared for that was erased there's the adri that theo despises and is, is and theo doesn't know how to behave because of that uh that dichotomy Theo's not processed this. This is horrible. Yeah. So I think Theo's immediate response is is combat, but realizes that they need Adri in a sense to open this door for them, and they also don't know who this Adri is to them anymore, and they kind of want to reach an even playing field. So instead, Theo sends out Cabbage and takes the silver unknown and hands it to Cabbage and says, Cabbage. I need you to attach this to Adri. Kabuto. Kabuto understands. Okay, I guess this is a roll. Okay. Am I rolling for Cabbage's speed? Yeah. Speed plus one, so nothing nothing, nothing fancy. Six plus one plus a one for an eight. So mixed success. And when you say attach the unknown, do you mean you want Adri to experience the J Silver memory? Yes. Is that the intention? Basically, that's the Okay. End. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I that's going to happen. happen. We right. just need to, we need a cost. We need a cost to that. Maybe the cost is that there's an extra memory that Adri reacts to, like badly to. Uh, Adri experiences the same memories that Theo experienced, but there's there's like one more that is Adri specific. I like there being an extra memory actually, Tom, because there's still this question, this Jay Silver question about Adri's roots that yeah. Adri's been so fixated on, which obviously Theo didn't have. So maybe there's something in that. Do we see it? Is Adri being sucked into sucked into the memory? Is that essentially what's happening? The cost is that Theo's sucked in as well. Okay, sure. We're well. We're going to win proper memory now, um, and this is the this is the moment I was dreading because it's it's Jay Silver, and here we go. Okay, you've had four <laughs> years. Four years. <sighs> you were the one that introduced um, him, Stu. Had you introduced the okay. Silver Jay? Uh, yeah, no, no, no. It's up. good. It's all good. It's all good. Okay, Adri. Adri is Tom. Where is Adri? Let's assume that Adri has also experienced all the memories. Yeah, the, the memories that Theo experienced of them and Adri, like all of those. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Ellie the Electrite. I guess is Adri's schismed Pokemon, like Medicham and Theo. It must be. Must be. Yeah. 
So in this moment, we know that Adri has seen very similar memories to Theo. Sophia, you are sucked in completely irrespective of what we said last time. Just makes no sense, but you are also lingering on the edge of these memories. Something about your Pokemon, about Kabuto, and the connection between you and Kabuto, placing these memories on Adri has allowed you a flickering glance. It's like a dodgy tape mm. of Adri's memories that you're able to stand on the periphery of. Maybe you can even see a current Adri watching them inside. I don't know what the distance is, I don't know how accessible that Adri is to you right now, but you're on opposite sides for now. And you see Adri reliving these moments that you've just been through as well. And you see these, this relationship that has been robbed re rebuilding itself in front of your eyes. You see Adri's paranoia. You see the growing realization that Adri was onto something only to have it ripped from them every single time. And the memories are incredibly similar. Even that King Smock ceremony. Now you see Adri go through a very similar process with Ellie the Electrike. And then there's another memory. An extra one. Tom, where, where do we find ourselves in this extra memory? I guess it's somewhere Theo wouldn't have been, as it's uh, an Adri-only memory, so maybe somewhere mm -hmm. away from the church. Uh, somewhere sort of seedy, underground, like a... Okay. Sort of possibly yeah. a bit criminal. Ooh, I like that. Like a, buiz a buizel slash Snorleone. I really like it. I think... I think. It, oh, and like an odd... Can we have Oddfather? Can we have an Oddfather scene? So Adri is in some kind of criminal basement beneath a, a, a casino or a dive bar or even Yorick's gym, perhaps, in Pyrenile. Adri approaches the chair of the Oddfather, kisses the ring attached to the Oddfather's leaves. A ring? How does how is an how is an oddish wearing a ring? Is it like on his leaf? Don't ask, don't ask, Tom. You don't need to know. If you haven't suspended enough disbelief for that to happen yet, then I don't know where you've been. <laughs> Oddfather, I'm I'm here as you instructed. You come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding. Is it the day of your daughter's wedding? It is. Gloom. There she is. Oh, what a happy couple. <laughs> you look pained, kid. Talk to me. Talk to the Oddfather. You know. What I asked of you, what I you have my my money, my pediums. Tell me, did you did you find my father? Y you're the odd father. You have roots all across Formia. There must be something. There must be some record of who I am or what I am. Please, it's everything. Yeah, kid, I did. You did. It, uh, it wasn't very hard for. Oh. Uh, for for reasons that you're about to find out, but uh, I think it's probably best if you uh, you find these out from from the man himself. What, he's here. Uh, Jay, Jay, come on out. And out walks Kenny's dad. What a twist! The Jets. <laughs> <laughs> the Jets. It begins with the J. The J Jets. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's anyone we've we've met. It's just a man, quite tall, slim, in his sixties, but he's got. Very distinctive, long silver hair. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's like a thematic thing. Okay, so it's a man with just long silvery grey hair, similarly tan skin to Adri. I'm basically saying like <laughs> Geralt of Rivia. That's who I'm Geralt, saying. Geralt of Rivia with tan skin walks out, and he's like, um, "Odd oh, father, why have you dragged me out in the middle of the night? Do you have any idea what time it is? I've got lots of six-year-old man things to be doing. I'm combing my hair. You're you're my father." Did you drop a baby on the steps of the church, oh, Surflick? No, no, oh, no, you, you can't keep doing this. Look, I've explained this to you before, and I can't do it again, all right? Again? How many times can we go through this? I don't want to have a relationship with you. I left you with the church so they could look after you. It was her who wanted... It, look, it just wasn't me. Fatherhood isn't for me. I told you all this already, but you don't seem to be getting the message. I tried being delicate about it, but it doesn't seem to be going in. I don't understand. Kid, the reason it was easy to find Jay here... They're around. You found them before. But I don't remember that. And we see, we see parallel to this in the space, Theo. Multiple times that Adri has found out the truth about Jay Silver. 
like you you see uh, you see one at Jay's home where he's he's given Adri some tea and is, is breaking the news quite gently. There's one where Jay is is really angry, shouting at Adri maybe in the street. Um, another where Jay hands Adri maybe a, pre- a prepared letter and walks away without saying a word. Um, you see times where Adri's done it alone. You see times where Adri's done it with help, either from the Odd Father or Theo, even from from you. But each time, they come to the same conclusion. I can't just be an orphan who was unwanted by their parents and dropped at the church. There's got to be more. There has got to be more, please. Otherwise, I'm, I'm lost. There has to be. But they were not wanted, and they were left. There is no special lineage. There is no additional twist. And each time, Adri finds themselves confiding in mystery or a prime, and a prime takes pity. Would you prefer that you had not had that experience, Adri? And each of the Adri's in all these parallel memories in unison replies, Yes. 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 And each time, Adri's led to a Malamar-infested room. These memories fade, but I think we'll stick Theo and Adri in the same space. The blurry tape fades and Theo, you find yourself accessible to Adri, who just looks broken, teetering on the edge of falling to their knees, their glasses fallen down the bridge of their nose, their mouth hanging slightly agape, their plaited braids dangling loosely. Always be asking questions. Because sometimes you don't want the answers. A question is safer. Uh, Adri, uh, I, ha- I need you to know I had no idea about any of this until I saw that just now. I, I-, I wanted you to see the things that I've just learned that we've forgotten. Apparently, we have a whole different life together that somebody is taking away from us. And now to see that you have a whole series of answers that you have taken away from you, like you wouldn't have even taken the tome to Team Nautilus if you had known all this information. But our memories are playthings to the church. Our memories are playthings to everyone. Theo, what do you do with these feelings? When I first started feeling these feelings, all I wanted to do was hurt people. And I tried to hurt a lot of people. I have hurt people, Theo. And that's, that's okay. It's not okay. okay. It's not okay. It's it's okay, Adri, because all that matters is that you learn mercy. And I'm not good at it. I'm far from good at it. I'm still trying to learn that suffering is easier than sacrifice, but that's the only thing we can take away. But how, how can we be merciful to people who have taken so much? Because we have to believe that there is justice somewhere down the line, and I don't think that's going to come from Sloking. No, it's going to come... We, we can find justice, Theo. We can find justice. Listen, listen to me. I, I've done things, and I found myself to be on a, a, a scary, scary path, and I came here to change that. I didn't exactly know how. I came here to free myself, but I think I, think I have a new mission. I think we have a new mission, Theo, you and I. I think I think we have to I think we have to burn this all down, all of this. The King's Rock is not something to be chased or revered or worshipped. The King's Rock is something to be destroyed. We must stop this. All of this. Come on, you know it's right. The church is rotten and it's built on something rotten. Frey is is terrifying. I know. And I found myself in far too deep. And if we all converge, if we all chase this answer, then we will end up 
destroying ourselves. We have to live in ignorance and we have to destroy it. You've given me answers and it's destroying me. So we need to remove the answers. Come on, Theo, you and I, we can do it. We can destroy the King's Rock and we can stop this cycle. Adri, what I've learned about the King's Rock is that if somebody uses it for benign purposes rather than what it's been used for in its weird and wonderful history is that we could maybe provide an end to whatever weird war between poker powers and people there are. You sound like Frey, you sound like Frey, you sound like her. This idea that some magical item can just fix things, fix problems, doesn't help. Then what was the point in getting the tomes? What was the point in betraying me for the tomes if you don't think that the tomes and the King's Rock are the solution to all of this? Why did you burn down our home to try and find a father you already knew? Why have you made any of these decisions if it wasn't to try and find the King's Rock? We have to try it first. The church we can burn down. The church has ruined our lives. The church is evil and deserves to be punished. I'm with you on that, but we need to find the King's Rock or otherwise everything we've done, every person who's died, every lesson we've learned, every journey we have been on is completely and utterly pointless. Don't tell me that this is as completely useless as the lives we could have lived. We could have been friends, Adri. I want, I want to do this with you. Like it or not, you are all I have. But I'll do it on my own. Adri, if you want to do it on your own, then I'm going to have to stop you. It's the Tome of Solitude for a reason. One of us gets to go on after this. And I am going to meet the O, and I'm going to find the King's Rock, and I'm going to help put an end to all of this and stop Frey. And if you want to try and do it, you're going to have to stop me. So it's coming down to Theo versus Adri. That was intense. That was intense and I loved it. Who knew the Conclave had so much to give? Thank you very much for listening. Um, we really appreciate everyone who tunes in every couple of weeks to listen to this very ridiculous game. And um, I would like to thank um, those of you who are on our Patreon. So here we go. Special thanks to Mega Noodle. Zachary Turing, Elena Mialov, Mr. Man, Anorak, Not That Nick, Brandon Wood, Tommy Portillo, Aidan Clark, Mark Smith, and Brad Demon Dowker. Thank you very much. Thank you to My Cabbages, Dr. Rani, Jerembi's Mum, Degizi, Alex W., Crispy, Huxley Spicer, Beth Chivels, Jam, Heather Elsnell, Betsy Lewin Lee, Darius Joukowsky, Pokerdash55, and Ellie Lieberman. Thank you very much. I'd also like to thank Jeremby, Carrie Morrison, Scott M, Dr. Mega Man PhD, Hi Killy, Keiko Pin Cosplay, Big Fat Nuke, Jonah Jackson, Josh Anderson, Alchemage, Cesar Trevino, Force Majeure, Cranon Creations, Eric Eikinger, Millamoy, Ginny Voss, and Alastair Collinson, aka the Game Master. Thank you all so much. Um, we really appreciate your patronage. I would also like to thank Michael Sands, the creator of Monster of the Week. Uh, which Pocket Monster of the Week is based off of. I'd also like to thank Braxton Burks and the Materia Collective and Glitch X City for their incredible music stylings. Please go check them out on Spotify and YouTube where you can get all of their stuff. Um, I'd also like to thank Junichi Masada and Satoshi Tajiri um, who created Pokemons, the, all of the Pokemon you see. They're created by them, all, every single Pokemons of the, of the Mons. But... Um, we are not affiliated with the Pokemon Company, Game Freak, or Nintendo, because we are a not-for-profit podcast. Um, and lastly, I'd like to thank Stu, Ali, and David. See you all in a couple of weeks. And remember, go catch them all. And by all, I mean your dreams.
but also leave him wanting more, you know, because that <laughs> yeah. there was perfect. Wanting more. Leave him wanting more. Oh. <laughs>